0: What's going on Alabama fans? It is Wednesday hump day and once again you are locked and loaded onto the hottest show in the streets, the number one source number one shot for all things Crimson Tide football. It's in my own words with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Appreciate every single one of you for tuning into the show on today. Got another one pack. Got a lot to get to you. A lot of information to unfold here as we're bringing this to you via Tuscaloosa. Streaming this to you on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, go ahead right now, drop a like, give a thumbs up on the show, and be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on all of those notifications so that you can have all the alerts, commentary, uh, information, analysis on your favorite program. That being the Alabama Crimson Tide. As always, we start things off by dressing the better half of the room. The man in the production studio, putting that flavor in your ears. It's the man, John Ivory. John, it's Wednesday, brother. How you feeling?
1: feeling great roll
2: tide uh cheer the show make sure y'all share the show like the chat up. we got a great show for y'all lined
1: up let's get it
0: and you can be a part of the show as we want you to be a part of it by calling 205 205- 448-1358, that number again, 205-448-1358, and let your voice, your opinions, your thoughts, your views be heard on the show, 205-448-1358, it's going to be awesome to be joined later on in the show by former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell as well, but as we start up, as we get into now... Topic one here of the conversation, that being the Alabama offensive line. And uh, according to uh, former Auburn University offensive line, according to former Auburn center Cole Kubelak, who played for the Tigers from 1996 to 2001, he is now with ESPN, and he's also one-third of the radio show Three Man Front, which is on WJOX Jocks 94.5 in Birmingham. But Cole Kubrick put up a graphic this week about how he has his top five offensive lines in the country. And at number one, he's got Alabama, of course. Two, he had Ohio State. Three, he had Notre Dame. Four, he had Tennessee. And at number five, he had Oklahoma. But at number one, he had the Alabama Crimson Tide. And much is to be expected from this offensive line In this upcoming season, but when you talk with Alabama football fans defensively, first and foremost, and you discuss, you know, which defense made you watch it, which defense had you on the edge of your seat? Which defense put put you in the frame of mind of, if I miss something, I'm going to be kicking myself, I'm going to be hurting myself, I'm going to be mad at myself, I will not forgive myself because I feel like I'm missing history, I'm missing legendary stuff, you know, I'm missing big time production, and as good as those defenses in the 60s and 70s were under Paul Bryant, as good as the 1992 defense was under Gene Stallings, the 2009 defense was great, 2011 was fantastic, 2015, 2017. You know, all of those defenses were strong units, but for Alabama fans, they look at that 2016, y'all look at that 2016 defense as that was the defense that moved me that was the defense that enticed me that was the defense that excited me i mean if i turn my head one time to look away from that group i'm missing a pick six i'm missing a scoop and score for a touchdown off a fumble recovery i'm missing a super bowl sack i I would miss those things that made me go man darn why did i miss that so 2016 defense was, was the group for Alabama in terms of the fans on that side of the football. So when you look at, you know, offensively and in particular the front line, which group made you feel that way in terms of uh, enforcing the wheel, imposing your wheel on, on an opposing defense, blasting huge holes in the run game, and also doing very well in pass protection, that 2012 group comes to mind. That 2012 offensive line, that from left to right, we're talking about Cyrus Kwanjo left tackle, Chance Warmack, left guard, Barrett Jones center, Anthony Steen right guard, and DJ Faluca right tackle. That group was the most fearsome, nasty, dominant, break your will group of the Nick Saban era, and... This was a group that, from left to right, we're looking at two five-stars in uh, Quanjo and DJ Fluker. You had one four-star in Barrett Jones. You had a couple of three-stars in uh, Chance Wormack and Anthony Steen. But this group this group from left to right here, we're talking about a combined weight of 1,603 pounds. That's a lot of beef. 1,603 pounds, an average of 320 pounds. Point six pounds, and you know, this group was a unit that four of the five guys were all Americans, or at one point in time became all Americans. The only guy that that did not achieve that status was Anthony Steen, and all five of those guys ended up making an NFL roster. Now, this group was the lone group of the Saban era to boast two 1,000-yard backs, Eddie AC and T.J. Yeldon. Also, on top of that, this group boasted you know, a 1,000-yard receiver, and Amari Cooper, 59 catches, 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns, and also a playmaker at the quarterback position, and A.J. McCarron, 30 touchdowns, 3 picks. So, a lot of people look at that 2012 offensive line. That's the group that set the tone. That's the group that holds the mantle. That's the group everybody holds in high esteem. But this 2020 group has a lot of potential. This 2020 group has a lot of opportunity here, has a lot of ability. And uh, anything less than the Joe Moore Award would be a giant disappointment for this group just due to, when you look at this 2020 group here, 60% 60% of its returning starters are all former five stars. Think about that. Evan Neal, a former five star. Landon Dickerson, a former five star. Alex what a former five star. And then 80%, of his offensive line, they've all played together. They all have that connection, that chemistry, that continuity, that cohesiveness, all of those positive words that start with the letter C. This offensive line has that. And the guys I'm referring to Alex Netherwood, Evan Neal, Landon Dickerson, and Deontay Cornbread Brown, they have all played together. And when you, when you discuss this group here, starting off with Landon Dickerson the only thing people may have a problem with him on is there are times when he does some extra correcting or things after the after the whistle's blown now people love the tenacity People love the physicality. People love the toughness. People love the dominant mindset that he has in which Dickerson takes on the the notion of, I'm not going to let you outwork me. I'm not going to let you beat me. I'm not going to let you run me over. So Dickerson has that nastiness working the first level with defensive linemen and working up to the next level taking on linebackers. People like the physicality that Dickerson plays with. It's just there are moments where after the whistle he kind of gets into some extracurricular things. A little pushing here, a little shoving here, a little roughing up folks here and fans are going, well you know, Landon, we love the passion. We love the intensity. We love the nastiness. We love the physicality but can you just pipe down a little bit on the extra zap after the whistle. If you can do that, the young men love what you do. So that's the only issue there with Dickerson. You know, people give much praise to Deontay Brown in terms of his run blocking and rightfully so when this young man came back from being suspended this past season. The run game picked all the way up for the Crimson Tide with Najee Harris being the primary back, but he's also a very underrated pass blocker. Deontay Brown will get his hands on you and drive you off the ball in terms of pass protection. And then you've got You know, a guy in Evan Neal, of which, you know, played guard this past season, had to get his feet wet a little bit, but had a strong year, freshman All-American, according to USA Today, according to the Football Writers Association of America, also the... Also ESPN, he was also freshman All SEC by the league's coaching staff, did a phenomenal job as a freshman. And then you have a guy in Alex Netherwood that only gave up two sacks last year against LSU. He will look to get better this season. So you've got guys, those four guys that have the continuity with each other. The big question here is... You know, for Alabama is who is going to play right tackle filling in for Jedrick Wills, who is now in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. This is a great problem for Nick Saban and Kyle Flood, the offensive line coach, to have because you've got a lot of depth. You've got a lot of experience. You've got a, a lot of talent here on this front line. And though I have wrecked my brain trying to put together different scenarios of how this offensive line would look, I've touched on potentially moving Dickerson from center to right tackle and having and having a uh, Darian Dalcourt play center or maybe Emil Mio Jr. play center. But I've also looked at, you know, keeping uh, Dickerson at center And taking Evan Neal and moving him over to right tackle to give you two bookend tackles, in other words, a Neal, and have either a Dalcord, a Echior, maybe even a Pierce-Quick play in that left guard spot. And the reason why I thought of the second one more so than the first one is, as good as that 2012 offensive line was, it was fantastic, one thing... uh, that that group will not have on this group especially if coach Saban chooses to take Evan Neal and move him to right tackle is this group would have two legitimate 6 foot 6 and taller offensive tackles and what makes this intriguing Saban has always wanted his outside guys on the line to have a big size long arms big hands long fingernails huge wingspan to be able to shield and neutralize speedy edge rushers away from the quarterback but also plow open those gaping holes in the run game and this would be the possibility or the big chance for Alabama to have two legitimate now six foot six and taller you know, offensive linemen. If you remember, you know, Alex Netherwood and Evan Neal kind of share the same story. Netherwood came in in 2017 wanting to play offensive tackle. That spot was already preoccupied, but he got the opportunity in the national championship game against Georgia when Jonah Williams went down. Netherwood came in their field and admirably played very, very well in that matchup. of in 2018, He moved inside to be an offensive guard, getting his feet wet a bit more on the offensive line, started the whole 2018 season as a guard. And then this past year, as Jonah Williams was off to the NFL, Netherwood kicks out to left tackle, has a strong year. Evan Neal, kind of the same story. He comes in from Florida as a five-star, as a big offensive tackle. Comes in, already sees that spot preoccupied. Bama puts him in at that guard position. And it took a minute for Kyle Flood to actually trust Evan Neal right there. I mean, I remember... The first game of the season against duke inside mercedes benz stadium in atlanta but thought was come on coach flood the guy's a man child he's six seven 360 pounds of dominance put him out there get him on the field let's see what he can do but as always just like you have to ease players in to certain situations, you have to ease coaches in to certain situations because, let's be honest, Nick Saban not the easiest guy to work with from time to time. So you have to ease the coaches in as well. But once, you know, Kyle Flood got the gist of, look, Evan Neal's the real deal, and he was able to put him out there, and the young man was able to have big time success here you know, for the Crimson Tie. I and mean, then you look at, you know, David Ballou. On the, on the sports performance team. I mean, I go back to 2017 when he was at Notre Dame, uh, and despite having a guy in Brandon Winbush, not the best quarterback, great athlete, not the best quarterback, but Dave Ballou took that offensive line in Notre Dame, pushed it to winning the Joe Moore Award. That team went 10-3 and three that season, including a win over LSU in the Citrus Bowl. It produced a 1,400-yard back, and Josh Adams, and uh, that group was able to have two offensive linemen and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, both going the top 10 of a 2018 NFL draft, Quentin Nelson number six overall, Mike McGlinchey at number nine, so if Ballou was able to do this with two and three-star guys, a four-star guy every now and again, then just imagine what he's going to be able to do with this offensive line the Crimson Tide. But folks that takes us here to our first break here on the show. Don't touch that dial. We're just getting your chest warm here on a Wednesday. Upon our return, we unpack your phone calls your texts, your thoughts, your tweets your questions, your concerns. It's time to talk Alabama football with yours truly and let's get it, let's get it in right after this.
1: Every sports fan deserves the proper representation. Witwill Sports introduces to you the title towel. Wave that title towel in the air like you just don't care. In support of Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Only 9 dollars and it lasts a lifetime. Head on over to Witwillsports.com and get your title towel today. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to TouchdownAlabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to TouchdownAlabama.com today and roll tide.
0: You're rocking with the best right here, ladies and gentlemen, on the other side of the break. Your man, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine on a Wednesday hump day. In my own words, appreciate everybody for tuning in on today. In a short time, Crimson Tide Nation, 205-448-1358. And I'm going to call in to let your voice be heard, 205-448-1358. And we chatted up now with my man Wayland. What's going on? going on, buddy? We missed you yesterday, but we happen to have you back today, man. We missed you Monday.
3: Yeah, I was having a little uh a few more kidney stones there on Monday. I don't know here, Stephen. I'll tell you what. Uh these kidney stones will get you down in the dump. But
0: how's everybody
3: down at TDA on this Wednesday? How's everybody doing today?
0: Man, we are doing fantastic, man. Just talking a little Alabama offensive line, that 2012 group under Nick Saban is everybody's favorite group uh, more times than not, but but I I think this 2012 group, I think this 2020 group has a chance to really either match 2012 or go above and beyond. I really like this year's offensive line. Yeah, uh,
3: this year's offensive line has got a lot of people, a lot of of sides, a lot of talent uh, uh a lot of good people on the offensive line uh, this year we've had a lot of good offensive lines at alabama i they're i tell you they're hard to hard to pick the number one offensive line at alabama but uh, we'll see what happens this year but i did see your uh, your uh, uh little uh, questionnaire on uh, uh on our youtube channel about uh you know uh, about the uh the coming out, I guess, game, we might say, uh, you know, I think you had uh, the blackout. And what was the other ones you had on there, Steven. I can't remember. I'm sorry.
0: Well, well, it was an honor of playing Georgia week three of the season. So I had the blackout on there from 08. I had the washout on there from 2015. Uh, I had the 2018 SEC title game, which was Jalen Hurts' big moment. And then I had second and 26, everybody's favorite moment. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's it. Well, I don't know. I picked the uh, blackout in two thousand eight. I-, I think that that game, was a good uh, game. It was a good game. I think it showed everybody that uh, Alabama was back and was on their way back, uh, back to the top, Stephen. After uh, you know uh, dismantling Georgia like we did that day.
0: 2008 was a good one. I mean, I was at the 2018 SEC title game, so that one's a a favorite of mine. I know everybody enjoys second and 26, and believe you me, I do as well, you know, watching it from TV, but that game is kind of bittersweet to me because. I was, uh, I was supposed to have been at that game attending it live and what happened was 2017 was the year where I did not have a trusted vehicle. You know, My truck had broke down. It took us a while to get a fuel pump to replace in that truck. I didn't have the car that, that I have now you know, at that time and though, you know, I appreciate the two young ladies that the company sent to cover that game. They did an incredible job. It was just that me sitting on the couch watching Watching that game I enjoyed it but I was like man I was supposed to be at this football game
3: yeah I know exactly what you say in there them vehicles they do what they want to and uh, yeah that was a great game for me to show the coming out of Alabama but I know there's gonna be a lot of people get in the queue and we wrote a little short poem about that and put some words together here maybe it'll make some sense here we've got our good glasses on hello to everybody in the chat we're gonna do the best we can and hopefully Good Lord willing, we'll be back on Friday. So here we go, Stephen. It was August 27th, 2008. Everyone was wearing black who walked through the gate. There was a silent voice whispered by the fans. Bama's coming. It was rolling through the stands. Ingram scores the first TD up the middle. The next three came from the foot of Lee. Bama's coming. The next TD came when McCauvey ran it in. He was a mean bean. The third TD came, went up church, made the Bama fans scream. Bama's coming. Julio scored number four out the back of the end zone. Man, he made the Bama fans roar. The next three came once again from the foot of lead. He barely skimmed it between the goalpost tees. Bama's coming. The fifth TD came when Mr. Coffey busted through the lane. It was 41-30 to 30 by the end of the game. This shouted Bama's coming once again winning the next five national titles, putting their opponents to shame. All right, Steven, we'll see y'all Friday. Everybody be good on the chat. Thank y'all. Bye-bye.
0: Appreciate that, Wagon, giving us a little rendition of a 2008 blackout game between Alabama and Georgia. That was a fun one. We go to our next caller in the queue on a Wednesday. You're live on the hottest show on the streets. What's going on with you?
4: Yeah, hey, what's going on, Steven?
0: Man, I cannot complain here, man. How we doing?
5: I'm doing all right. Um, I got a question about the um the running backs. You know, we got seven. I've heard you talk a lot about that, and um, I wanted to know if we're going to probably start going back to you know more uh, ground game. You know, with Najee and <clears throat> excuse me, Trey Sanders and some of the other guys that we have. You know, just to kind of help Mac Jones. You know, his first year start and everything. I want to see make sure that we protect him as much. What's your thoughts on that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, ground and pound game is what Nick Saban wants to do. He wants to get back to ball control, to balance with the offensive line that Bama has. As I mentioned, the three former five stars, the four guys that have great continuity together. Um, You know, Coach Saban and Coach Kyle Flood, they want to see this line impose its will. You know, not just in pass protection and protect the Mac Jones, which they will do, but also in running the football. Najee Harris has a lot of goals in front of him. So does Trey Sanders, so does Keelan, so does Brian Robinson. But, you know, Najee, most importantly, has a lot of goals in front of him. And uh, in order to meet those goals... Alabama is going to have to give him the football and let him run wild up and down the field. So I see uh, more ball control. I see more balance in this upcoming season. Now, does this mean that Crimson Tide does not pass the ball? Does this mean that they don't trust Mac Jones? Absolutely not. I still see Mac Jones doing some things, a lot of things, big things in the passing game, but Nick Saban wants to provide that balance, but appreciate that call there. We have another call in the queue. You're live on In My Own Words. What's going on? Live Hello? on the show, what's going on? Can you hear me? I can hear you now.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing me to call, man. I'm a big fan. Um, I was just wanting to talk about, do you honestly think this is that year where we finally get to um, throw some, some young secondary talent out there early and um, allow a core to develop um, that is going to become that dominant core like that stretch from 2010 to 2012. And then we had another stretch from like 14 to 16 where the the, the secondary was just dominant because a lot of young guys were out there early in those early years. Do you think this will be that type of year?
0: It depends, on, it depends on one guy. To me, it depends on how quickly does somebody like a Brian Branch comes in here and takes over. A Brian Branch, when you watch his tape out of Sandy Creek High School in Georgia, he's a highlight safety. This guy is all over the field. Creating turnovers, picking passes off. It's how quickly does he come in here and really own in and hone in the scheme and hone in the system? We saw Minka Fitzpatrick do it. We saw Ronnie Harrison do it. We saw we've seen quite a bunch of young guys do it. So to me, Brian Branch is the guy to look at. If he comes in here and just sweeps people off their feet, he would be the guy.
4: Man, and I like I like him. And I like the uh, other young guy, Battle. That did, he played some last year, but I feel like he's going to be that physical safety with that 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 physical that can stretch the field, that can cover that field, um, kind of like uh, Ronnie Harrison used to do when he was with us. But man, that's all I have to say, man, I appreciate the time. and you you stay blessed, man, and roll tight.
0: Appreciate the call coming in. We got one more call as you guys lighten us up here on a Wednesday. You're live on In My Own Words. What's going on today?
5: Hey Steven. how you doing, bud? Uh, so it's been a while since I've been able to call in. Hope, uh, hope you and the, you, know, you and your family are doing well. Uh, I had a couple things I wanted to run by you. Whichever one you choose to address is up to you. Uh, the last couple days I've been uh, watching Will Anderson highlights. And uh I'm not sure how much you've been able to focus in on him. I know you've heard the name and obviously seen him in the um Army All America game. But this man he if there's anything like a spitting image of Tim Williams, he definitely fits the mold. And I'm I'm looking for him to make an impact as early as week three against Georgia, his own in state team. And the other thing I'd like to address too is uh, how many fans exactly do you see attending attending each and every home game? Do you think that it's going to vary from state to state, or do you think that they're going to be examining social distancing? You know, only allowing like twenty or thirty thousand in Bryant Denny when the time comes. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on it.
0: Appreciate that call right there, and I'll address the first one. Will Anderson, I I agree. I see a lot of Tim Williams. I literally see Tim Williams 2.0 when I watch Anderson's tape. The quickness, the speed, the intensity, the instincts, the ability to time the snap count, be intentional, getting after the quarterback. I actually did a projected rep chart on Monday's show out of that nickel defense. And I actually had uh, Will Anderson starting as one of the defensive ends because that's a talent that – Nick Saban and company not going to be able to keep off the field. So really like what Will Anderson does. Now, in terms of the second question for the fans, it could vary from state to state. But I also think that there will be some social distancing in there. How many will they how many will people allow in? That will be the question. But I do see some social distancing. It could vary from state to state. Th- that will be intriguing to see how will the powers that be in college football, you know, go about strategizing this making all of it happen to where we can enjoy college football, but also make sure we keep the health and safety of players, of coaches, of fans um, in line. But appreciate both of those questions coming in. Really like what Will Anderson can do in terms of the Crimson Tide. We're going to go to our next Break here on the show, but folks, don't touch that doubt upon our return. We get a chance to speak with a good friend of ours, former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell, talking Crimson Tide football, and we're gonna do it right after this. <laughs>
1: touchdown alabama magazine is alabama football's premier publication a subscription to touchdown alabama magazine is the perfect gift for any alabama fan for exclusive news and information recruiting updates a free annual print magazine and more go to touchdownalabama.com and click join only 5.95 per month or pay 49.95 for a full year subscription that's a saving of almost 22 go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll
0: tide we moving, baby, we moving, we moving all the way up, baby, on the hottest show on the streets, the number one form of Crimson Tide football content. You are locked and loaded on to end my own words with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine on a Wednesday hump day, appreciating every single one of you for tuning in to the show. Continue to light up the YouTube chat line. Also, light up the call segments, 205-448-1358. You dial that number to let your voice be heard. 205 448 1358. But we got a mosey on over to the hotline right now. We pick up our favorite guest on Wednesday. It's former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell, who played from 2003 to 07. Matty Ice is in the room. Matt, what's going on, man? I'm excited, man. Ready to get the show started. We're ready to get it popping right here with you, Matt. So, you know, first and foremost, I just want to talk with you about the importance of having, you know, a football season for the Crimson Tide. I mean, I know the main thing is people want the safety of the players, you want the safety of fans, you want the safety of coaches. Absolutely those three things are critical. But at the same time, you know, Alabama football means a lot to so many people. College football itself, you know, means a lot to so many people. So, you being someone that's played the game, that's been involved in the game, that's understood the game that has made people smile because you know you're out there making plays honestly how important is it really Matt for you know us to have a college football season
6: I think it's very important Um, you know first and foremost is the safety and uh, security of you know everybody the the fans as well as the players Um, but it's very important to have the college football season, not only for, you know, economic reasons, you know, TV revenue, funding for other sports, um, also socially. Um, you know, I think with all that's going on in the world and the things that's, you know, happening, that's coming to light due to the coronavirus, I think it will be good for us to, you know, kind of come together where on Saturdays, the only, only color we see is crimson, you know, so uh, good I think that would be good for us. It would be good for us, as, you know, as a people, and I think it's just great, you know, in the South, college football is, is like a religion, so, um, you know, psychologically, I think we kind of need uh, somewhere where we can come together, um, kind of escape, and, you know, pull for our teams, and um, just come together as a people and kind of grow um, as a society, and what better way to do it than have college football.
0: Folks, if you're just tuning in to the show on a Wednesday, we got former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell, who played from 2003 to 07 on the line here. And Matt, as we do a lot, as we do often, we try to make this segment as fun, as interactive as possible. So now we're going to get into something that you and I have both coined. We are comparing Alabama's backfield to guys that are currently in the NFL. We're giving some NFL comps for some Alabama backs, and we're we're sticking to the four main guys: Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, King, Robinson. No, people love the freshmen. People love Roy Dale Williams, Jace McClellan, Kyle Edwards. We're just gonna have to see how they do, you know, as freshmen. But sticking to the to the main four backs first, we start this off with Najee Harris. As you're putting on your GM hat for a minute here, Matt, who is your NFL comp? for Najee Harris?
6: Uh, My NFL comp for Najee Harris is Saquon Barkley for the New York (laughs) Giants. Uh, Wow. You know, they're both uh, very strong running backs, you know, very hard to bring down, have unreal power, um, probably arguably the best running back in their leagues, you know, both uh, Saquon in the NFL, Najee in the SEC, and they have great hands and most of all, they're very have. Unreal athletic jumping ability. So that's kind of Najee's kind of signature move. I've seen some highlights where Saquon has done the same. So um that is my NFL comparison for Najee Harris with Sa- Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants.
0: That's a good move right there, Matt. So you're going Saquon Barkley for Najee. Give me Alvin Kamara for Najee Harris. And, you know, Alvin Kamara is somebody that's a difference maker. He runs well in between the tackles, but he also catches the ball extremely well out the backfield during his time. You know, with the Saints, was a huge, reliable option, reliable target for Drew Brees. And what he could do with the ball in his hands in space, absolutely incredible. And Najee Harris kind of shares that same sentiment. You brought up the jumping ability, the hurtling, the spin move, the stiff arm, just so many moves he can put on defense defensive players to make them look silly in space alvin kamara did the exact same thing you know with the new orleans saints in that sean payton system there so i'm going to go with alvin kamara for me as we move on forward we pick up brian robinson here we go we go to brian robinson here matt who would be your nfl cop for for b rob the pride of tuscaloosa
6: Uh, My NFL comp for B-Rob is Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, You know, they're both kind of underrated guys, you know, with the main focus being on Najee. Um, But I see the similarities in the demoralizing running style, kind of a downhill running type style, very powerful, um, really kind of a one cut and go uh, type back. Uh, They both really kind of invite contact. Um, And I really feel like when it comes to short distances, whether it's fourth and one, but we need to get, you know, a couple inches for a first down. I feel like he has the heart and the mentality to get that extra yard as this physical style of running.
0: Chris Carson doing great work there for the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. That's the quarterback, knocked that pick there, Matt, for me. Brian Robinson, I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell. And the reason why I'm saying Le'Veon, the initial patience when both guys get the football, it's similar. Uh, Brian Robinson has that ability to be that one cut back like Le'Veon Bell is. Get up and down the field. Commit to being intentional about your business. Uh, Brian Robinson even showed last year he can catch the ball at the backfield. 11 catches for 124 yards. My thing with B-Rob is... Robinson, as good as he is at six foot one, 230 pounds, he sort of looks at Najee and goes, Let's see if I can be a spin move guy. Let's see if I can be a hurdler. Let's see if I can do some of the things that Najee can do. And that's not Brian Robinson's style. He is a downhill, one cut, run you over, demoralize plow through defensive players, and that's what Alabama wants to see. That's what the coaches want to see. That's what the fans want to see. Honestly, that's what his teammates want to see, and and when you look at Najee, you know, Najee's going to give you something that every time you know, Najee's going to give us this. You know, Keenan Robinson's going to give you what Keenan Robinson provides, Same with Trey Sanders, Brian Robinson just needs to be able to do those things that when he's on the field, fans know this is what I'm getting from Brian Robinson, but I see a lot of Le'Veon Bell here in his game. As we mosey on down here, folks, if you're just tuning into the show, we got Matt Cadell, Cadell, former Alabama receiver, on the phone lines here. We pick up one, Keelan Robinson, Matt, and I'm going to go first on this one. So, my NFL comp for Keelan give me Philip Lindsay of the Denver Broncos Philip Lindsay who was a who was undrafted coming out of college somebody that's a smaller guy at 58 much like Keenan Robinson' a smaller guy but Philip Lindsay speed toughness instincts fight battle you're not going to bring him down with one guy but once he hits the open air he's got a gear to him and it's much like king and robinson tough physical but he's got that gear once he hits the open space coach saban mentioned he's got juice he's got a lot of pop he's got a lot of ability of course fans saw that last year uh so NFL comp for king and robinson i had to battle between Kenyon drake and philip Lindsay, but i'm going with Lindsay of the of the uh, broncos
6: I think that's a great pick. Um, I think you're spot on with that comparison. Um, so for me, my comp for Keelan Robinson, uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. Um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, very, you know, smaller backs, but speed is is what they kind of both have. The elite speed um, really have to have great vision. Uh, they have really good receiving skills. And I think, you know, what I like about both Aaron Jones and Kelly Robinson, when they see the hole, they are gone. Um, I don't think anybody's going to catch them. And they both have that home run threat. I think with the ball in their hands, they're probably the fastest player on the team.
0: Going there with Aaron Jones to represent Keegan Robinson on Matt's end. So last but not least, we got Trey Sanders here, Matt. So Trey, for me, Trey Sanders for me, I see a lot of I see Ezekiel Elliott. I see a bunch of Zeke Elliott in Trey. The body, the body structure is similar with Zeke being at you know 6'3, 225, 228 pounds. So the body structure is similar uh, to Trey's. You know, the ability to be intentional in the hole is similar. The speed is similar once they hit the open space. You know, both guys can catch the ball well. I think Trey potentially can be a better pass catcher than Ezekiel Elliott. But as far as the instincts, the body structure, the speed, the power, the toughness, the ability to do a lot of things very well. Give me Zeke Elliott of the Cowboys as my comp for Trey Sanders.
6: That's a great pick. Uh, My comp for Trey Sanders, and I was torn between McCaffrey, but I ended up going with Josh Jacobs. You were almost going to give him white
0: chocolate.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to give him McCaffrey, just because you know, the receiving skills, the potential, how they can affect the passing game. Um, but I went with Josh Jacobs because of the speed, the power, the balance. Um, they both have great catching ability. And I think um, what Trey's going to bring is really a nose for the end zone. You know, they're both very elusive. And I mean, if you look at um, his tape, I mean, he's just a playmaker with the ball. And I feel like Jacobs was that, you know, in his rookie year with the Oakland Raiders. So my NFL comp for Trey Saunders is Josh Jacobs.
0: He's got Josh Jacobs for Trey Sanders. Of course, I had Ezekiel Elliott, but he's he's uh, Matt Cadell, ladies and gentlemen, former Alabama wide receiver who played from 2003 to 07, always joining us every Wednesday to provide insight, provide knowledge, and talk Alabama football with us. As always, Matt, we appreciate it. Till next time, man, you be good, stay safe, and we're going to have another one lined up for next week.
6: Thank you, and always roll tide.
0: Always fun having Matt Cadell off of these interactive, fun segments. But, folks, your time is coming up after the break. Your phone calls, your tweets, your texts, your thoughts, your questions, your concerns. It's time to talk Alabama football with your man once again. And we'll touch it up right after this. Woo!
1: Town menswear in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide.
0: We're back in, folks, from the break on the number one form of Crimson Tide football news, notes, and information. That being in my own words, with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. As always, I got the man John Ivory in the building handling the ones and twos as he does in the production room. But, folks, it's your time once again, 205. 205- but I'm going to call in to let your voice be heard on the show. 205-448-1358. We got a call right now. You're live on the show. What's going on?
2: What's going on, Steve? What you doing, man? This is Sean from Huntsville.
0: Sean, what's going on, brother? Doing well?
2: Nothing much, man. wanted to give you a quick comment and my quick thoughts on Nisey. I heard uh, Matt's uh analysis on who he... um you know the the comp for the NFL comp and who that's some high praise man Saquon I I, I don't know if I coached this game and I played this game as well in college at HBCU here in Huntsville uh, uh that's, that's, that's that's big that's big
0: shoes man with uh You think hold, hold on for me th- Now, you think Sha- you think Saquon's a bit too high <laughs> I do brother and I and let me let me explain why
2: I say that because I my problem with Najee is that I love Najee Harris and I think the last four games of the season, he actually ran like the back that I was praying he would turn into. Absolutely. I always had an issue with Najee because Najee's six two, maybe two thirty, but he had a very, very bad habit. And I had other I, I have a lot of friends who has kids to play on these other teams and they, they say the same thing I'm telling you. Najee was very, very, very finesse. He wasn't physical at all, man. If you guys watched Josh Jacobs last year, Josh Jacobs, look no further than the Oklahoma game. When Josh got that guy down by the goal line, it was him in the safety, one-on-one. Josh Jacobs lowered his shoulder and ran through the running back. They teach that. Run through the the safety. He ran through through the guy, ran him clean over. If that was Najee, he'd have tried to jump over him or juke him or something like that, and that's fine. But at some point in the fourth quarter, man, People should not be so willing to tackle you at 6'2", 230. My problem with Najee in the first beginning of the season, and really since he's been in Alabama besides the last four games of the season, he didn't attack the line of scrimmage, man. He was very, very, very twinkle-toe-ish, very, very, very he – he, he wasn't aggressive as we teach our, teach our kids. He wasn't aggressive attacking the line of scrimmage. He was almost uh, too hesitant. And what was happening is he was trying to string runs east and west. He, he, he was bad at getting the shoulders north and south, man. And when you're that big of a back, you've got to get your shoulders north and south, man. And you've got to explode once the hole gets there. And I think it took him a while to really learn that scheme, to zone it up, learn that scheme. But if you look at him the last four games, he was attacking the line of scrimmage. That, if Najee run like that, I'm telling you, he'll be one of the best backs in the country, man. He will. And I think the NFL scouts will probably say the same thing. I know if I see it, they definitely see it. He's more effective at that size, less juking, lower your shoulder, man, and punish these tacklers in the fourth quarter. If you remember when Derrick Henry was here, it didn't seem like Derrick was lowering his shoulder because Derrick is so tall. He's 6'3 and a half. I mean, but tacklers did not want to tackle that guy in the fourth quarter. When Derrick Henry pressed the line of scrimmage, man, you, you, you. I'm telling you, as a defender, you 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 if you ain't got that heart, brother, you you you'll get out of the way of that quick. And Najee, I think people was too willing to tackle him in the fourth quarter. So I think this year we're gonna see the Najee Harris that I hope Macauley's comp was referring to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Well Matt, well, Matt gave him Saquon Barkley. I gave him Alvin Kamara because of the ability to to work out to work yeah. in space. But I see your point, and I share the same sentiment. Yeah. I've said the same thing, starting from the LSU game throughout the remainder yeah. of last season. A different dude came out. That was not Najee. Exactly. That was a completely different cat. That came out. And if Najee runs that way throughout an entire season, it will be a very big year for him. But I think the issue was, you know, losing Burton Burns played a role in this. Burton Burns is a fiery technician running backs coach. And you look at all of the guys he's put in the NFL, all of the guys he made, you know, produced to be 1,000-yard backs, not having Burton Burns physically teach Najee the technique of how to be an Alabama running back, I think it really hurt. I, I think Alabama truly does. I mean, Ch- Coach Charles Huff is going to be good, but I feel like Alabama right. still misses what Burton Burns provided.
2: Let me say this, Stephen, before I get off, off of here, I would tell everybody, if you look toward the end of the season, well, really throughout the season, it's not that Brian Robinson didn't do as well as Najee. Brian kind of stayed consistent, but what happened was Najee got more aggressive. Usually when you coach kids, no matter what age, high school, college, when the running back gets more aggressive and, 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 and it, the offense opens up and he, you get more carries, if you notice Coach Saban was starting to feed him more and, and, and sub out less toward the end of the season, that's what you want from your running back, man, in Obama offense. You want him to be able to tote that thing 25, 20, 20 th- times a game and punish the defense. That way the quarterback will have a much, much, much better um, percentage of success. But appreciate you having, having my call, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. We will continue to support
0: Absolutely, man. We, we appreciate it, man, keeping listening to us. That that was an awesome call, though, just breaking down one Najee Harris. But we get into just a small No topic here, and it's on. uh, You know, kudos to former Alabama safety and Super Bowl champion with the New Orleans Saints, Roman Harper. He has had one heck of a week. Roman Harper, who, you know, he and his wife, Gave birth to, you know, their fourth child. So, Roman's got got the fourth child in. And on top of that, you know, Harper's being inducted into the Hall of Fame for the New Orleans Saints. That's fantastic. And then on top of that, he has been pegged. He has been tapped to replace one Marcus Spears on the show SEC Nation of the SEC Network, part of the ESPN brand there. So, for Roman Harper, who played for the Crimson Tide from 2002 to 05, he was a starter you know, from 03 to 05, and somebody of whom at that safety position I remember vividly the Tennessee game in 05 where the score was tied at 3. You know, it was late fourth quarter. Volunteers had the ball driving inside. Bryant Denny and the Volunteers uh, running back. He gets to, I believe, the 10 or the 5-yard line. And Harper comes out of nowhere, puts his head, puts the crown of his helmet on the football, pops the ball out, it rolls out the back of the end zone for a touchback. If Roman Harper doesn't do this play, Alabama loses to Tennessee in 05. But Harper makes the play, and it ends up. You know Alabama was able to go down the field and get the game-winning field goal from Jamie Christensen to win six to three so Harper a big deal at Alabama the Prattville native uh, kudos to him congrats on the healthy baby uh, congrats to him getting into the hall of fame for the New Orleans Saints and also congrats to him being a part or being tapped to be the next member of SEC Nation and probably next week I'm trying to look to have Roman Harper on the show to Talk about uh, the blessings that are in his corner as of right now. But we take another break here on the show, folks. Continue to light us up in the YouTube chat line with your thoughts, your questions, your concerns, your your uh your, your thoughts there on Bama football. Upon our return, we dive into the Crimson Tide's coaching staff and why I feel like this is the group that will be with Nick Saban for the long haul. Don't touch that down We're coming back after this. <music> you
1: Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to TouchdownAlabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to TouchdownAlabama.com today and roll tide.
0: All right, Bama Nation, we're back into the number one show for Crimson Tide football news, notes, information in. My own words, yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, appreciating every single last one of you for tuning in on a Wednesday hump day. As always, be sure to give a like, a thumbs up on the show, and hit that subscribe button. Turn all of those notifications on so that you can have the best in news, notes, analysis, and alerts on the Crimson Tide. But we get into another question that you, the fan base, has been pondering about, and that be the Alabama coaching staff. Is this the staff? Is this the one that will stay with Nick Saban for the long haul? Is this the one that will rock with Nick Saban to the very end if this is the final run of national championships for Coach Saban? And the reason why a lot of you are asking this question is it goes back to all of the the, the coaching turnover that the Crimson Tide has endured. And reflecting back on just 2017... Just a moment here. After the 2017 season, New Alabama lost Jeremy Pruitt to Tennessee. and lost Brian Dable back to the NFL. It lost Derek Ansley to Tennessee. And it lost Carl Dunbar back to the NFL as well. You know with the Pittsburgh Steelers and you know all four of those guys, well three of those four guys were not only just great coaches but really sound, really good recruiters and they were relationship oriented in. You know after losing those guys, especially Pruitt, you saw how the 2018 recruiting class suffered, you know because of that. So you lost all of those guys, you know that year and then 2018 after that season, you lost seven guys. You lost Dan Enos, Mike Knoxley uh, Josh Gaddis, Tosh Dupri, Craig Kuligowski, uh, Craig Kuligowski, Brent Key, and also Joe Panunzio. And uh, of those seven guys that were lost, probably one guy—only one guy—was sort of given that green light to go elsewhere, and that was Coach Locks, as you know, he had recently lost his son to. A tragic shooting and, you know, Coach Locks was a head coach before at Maryland, but it really didn't work out the way he wanted to. Sometimes people become head coaches before they're prepared to be one. So he comes to Alabama you know, in 2016, was there, for, was here for three seasons and... You know, in the final year, he had learned a lot, he had grown a lot, and Coach Saban kind of saw where he needed to go back home to Maryland to rectify some things, to get some things in order to face the situation he encountered and also show to where he could be You know, a solid head coach. So he was probably the only one to have the good graces from Nick Saban to Take that next step. Everybody else who left, you know, kind of it rubbed coach the wrong way because he thought Dan Enos was here for the long haul. He thought Josh Gaddis would stick around. He thought Brent Key would stick around. Craig Kumagalski, as the defensive line coach, did a pretty solid job, thought he would stick around. So, you know, the national championship game against Clemson that year, you had a lot of guys that had their minds on other jobs, had their minds on other opportunities, had their minds on other, you know, coaching vacancies in which they were trying to, to feel. And you saw in that game to where something just fell off, you know? The communication wasn't there. The focus wasn't there. The chemistry wasn't there. I mean, even down to Sabin. Saban looked drained. I mean, you had fans that went, you know, what's going on with Saban? He's not cussing folks out. He's not breaking headsets. He's not throwing stuff on the ground. He's not chewing. He's not getting in the face of coaches. What is wrong with Coach Nick? Like, the feng shui of this whole Bama team is off in a national championship game, and reason why you had coaches focused on other things. But you look at this year's staff, and uh, the reason why I think this year's staff is in it for uh, the long haul with Coach Saban is just like Coach is uh, trying to prove he is still the baddest man in the game, he is still the best coach, the greatest coach on the block uh, in terms of college football, you look at these assistants, They're trying to prove uh, that they can help him in getting Alabama back to, you know, the college football playoff, back to the national championship stage, you know, and win. And, uh, you know, much like the players on the roster, you have a great mixture of experience with young talent, the coaching staff, you have a great mixture of maturity a great mixture of experience of guys that have settled in. They're not trying to bounce around the country. They're trying to find a place where they can settle in and coast out the rest of their careers along with young guys that they're good. They're dynamic, but still need some tutelage, still need some growth, still need some coaching, still need some development. And they're not highly sought after just yet. I mean, going back to last year, uh, when Dave Aranda left MSU to take the head coaching job at Baylor, one of the first guys he contacted was Alabama's defensive back coach Carl Scott. And Carl Scott, a strong coach, Carl Scott, a darn good recruiter. He was one of the first guys that Aranda contacted, but Carl Scott turned it down. Wanted to remain at Bama, wanted to keep that continuity. He's in it for you know the long haul, and he's been. One of the best recruiters on this staff and then I remember uh, Steve Sarkeesian for a minute. You know, he was up for a lot of different coaching offers. Guys were talking about him either going to, you know, either going to Colorado, either going back to USC. There were a lot of offers out there for Coach Sark, but he takes the pay raise from Alabama. He is sticking around with the Crimson Tide for that long haul, knowing that, you know, he brought in Bryce Young. So quite naturally, he wants to have an opportunity to work with the talented five, star that he brought in and if you look at a Pete Golding after the 2018 season you had Oklahoma coming after him along with other programs he chose to stay at Alabama now last year was not the greatest thing but he's learned from it and he's prepared to bounce back and have a big time season and behind those three guys, you have Sal Sanceri, who's an older guy, a mature guy who's settled in, and he's a guy that's not trying to chase after big money and big career. He's just trying to win, and he's just trying to win football games, and he and Coach Saban have a great understanding of each other. Uh, uh, Sal has been here before in Alabama, and then you throw in a Freddie Roach, and you throw in a a Charlie Strong, and then you have Jeff Banks, who's another one of those those just knock-down solid recruiters for the Crimson Tide. You're throwing Charles Kelly. I mean, even down to somebody like Tino Sanceri. And Tino, I know he's just a graduate assistant, but a big-time recruiter in his own right as he helps out with the quarterback. So this coaching staff rocking with Nick Saban because they know, they know an opportunity for a 3 is right there, you know, for Alabama. And after losing the LSU a season ago, losing to Auburn a season ago, and you've got folks talking about with the talent that Kirby Smart has at Georgia. This should be Kirby's year to win it all. This should be Kirby's year to beat Alabama. This coaching staff with Nick saying, Nick with Coach Say, been hungry to get this thing started off right with the championship this season, and then push for a potential three-peat down the, the line here. But, as always, you want the best in news, notes, information and coverage on your Crimson Tide. It's very simple, very easy to do. You can get this by downloading the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. Uh, you can get this from the iPhone App Store if you're rocking Team Apple. Google Play Store if you've got the Android phone. For your audio listening needs, we got you covered on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, Overcast.fm to in Radio or iHeartRadio. We've got you covered. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit, I shall return on Friday. Continuing the conversation at this Bama football. But until next time, folks, husbands love you, wives. Wives, appreciate value. Those husbands, children, continue doing those things legitimately to not be bored. Get those three hearty meals a day, those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself protect the loved ones around you until next time folks i'm your man Stephen m smith and this has been in my own words